Welcome to Body Literacy Babes. I'm Megan. And I'm Natalie. And we're certified fertility awareness educators. Here in this podcast, we chat uncensored about our favorite topics like periods, ovulation, cervical mucus, charting, sex, natural birth control, conception, and so much more. Peppered with plenty of unsolicited advice, fam confessions, and laughs, we want you to join the conversation. Body literacy for everyone, forever. Okay, so welcome everyone to the show. Um, We're on episode three right now, which like, I don't know, it's so exciting. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So today, um, we're going to be talking about uh, food and cycles. And this is something that I know um, we both love to to incorporate. Um, and we'll probably also be chatting about how this all ties into like body positivity and stuff like that. Um, but I'd love to hear kind of to start off. Um, I know even before this, Nat, you were saying that you're just making lunch <laughs> before we were recording. <laughs> we always are recording around lunchtime, so yeah. it's kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we wanted to talk about food, and um, I'm really excited to touch on this because we already kind of have talked a little bit about it. Um, I know, Megan, you are talking about um, sharing your food on Instagram as self-care. So I think that this will be a really interesting uh, conversation, but I was just eating. um, I've, I've been making like homemade vegetarian ramen. um, And I make like a veggie stock out of veggie scraps and keep them in my freezer and then boil it up. And it makes a really delicious like soup base. So that's what I just ate for lunch. That's awesome. Oh my God. I feel like um, right now too, it's so good to have like warm stuff, like those types mm-hmm. of like comfort foods and stuff. Um, I've been at the other house lately, which is a whole different topic, but um, recently at this house, my my sister-in-law, she makes a lot of like soups and ramens and stuff too. And sometimes I can like snag a bite. <laughs> so those are freaking delicious. Um so kind of to get into it, um, we're talking about cycle and cycles and food. Um, I'd love to kind of cover for people who might be perhaps, um, maybe they've just sort of delved into charting or this is like their first foray. They're just curious about how food and cycles kind of interact. Um, I'd love to talk about like why this even matters first off. Um, mm-hmm. Like, why is it important? Why does it matter kind of what we're putting in our bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. What did you kind of, when did you learn to enjoy cooking and enjoy food? Like, have you mm-hmm. all, has it always been something that you've enjoyed? I, I think for me, I got into like baking first earlier on um, in my life I remember when I was like seven, I had this tiny little um, like stapled together booklet that I had made that had like grilled cheese and like <laughs> like apples and cinnamon recipes, just like the most like base possible things that like a child could put together. Um, 
But yeah, actually, so like in my house, we grew up, my mom is a, she very simply cooks everything. So like, honestly, not a lot of like flavors and stuff. So I feel like for me, I kind of gravitated more toward baking first, uh, cause I definitely have more of like a sweet tooth. And from there though, um, I think in like college, I started to just watch more like cooking videos on YouTube and I just started to learn a few more like cooking skills and, you know, for everyone, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, but yeah, I think for me, things kind of came more into fruition kind of in those later years of college. Um, when I was sort of like self-teaching myself, I guess. How about yourself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I can relate to that. I feel like you just kind of reach a point where, um, when you're living on your own, you, Mm -hmm. um, have the opportunity or you're forced to learn to cook or like learn what you like to cook. So for me, definitely remember living on my own and, um, not knowing a lot about what I even enjoyed or like cooking from recipes and then really like realizing that I I'd rather just know how to cook something yes intuitively and instead of looking at a recipe because Mm -hmm. I find that to be really tedious and I don't really like to do that (laughs) Jesse and I were just talking about that the other day um we were talking about like that very thing like learning learning uh by strictly following recipes how to cook I think that takes so much longer than learning like the skill set behind cooking so that you can then cook intuitively and just kind of make up your own recipes. I think for many years I did what you first described where I was like watching these videos on YouTube and I was like, okay, I need to go to the store and get this like specific ingredient and just add like one tablespoon of it to this recipe because that's what the recipe said. And I didn't realize until much later, I was like, wait, I can just like really do whatever I want here. (laughs) And so I think that's so important. learning why and how to cook um, can open up so many different worlds. Um, One YouTube channel I've been enjoying lately just in terms of learning like cooking skills in kind of like a fun way, it's called Internet Shaquille. I don't know why, but (laughs) it's this guy and he has like short like three to five minute videos and um, they're never really about recipes. They're always just about like the the how and why and like the technical side of like you know this is how you cook meats or like this is why you know this this type of vegetable is great and like he just gets into the nitty-gritty of why and I feel like it prepares you so much more um for what to expect in the kitchen beyond just you know tablespoon of this tablespoon of that where it's where you're not really like learning the skill so yeah I totally hear you on that (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like um, when you start looking into, um, like, turning your cycle and talking about, like, hormone healing and um, learning to kind of optimize your menstrual cycle, there's so much out there on food. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to follow a lot of, like, nutritionists and like people who are talking about hormone health and um there's just like a lot out there about like you know what you should and shouldn't be eating for Mm -hmm. your cycle um and at the same time 
there is a lot around, you know, healing your cycle or supporting your hormones through food. Mm -hmm. So I think I wanted to have this conversation with you to kind of see um, how we can talk about like a more um, balanced way to do it. Um, That there is like a lot of stuff out there for, you know, supporting your hormones and eating certain foods and knowing what foods are good for you. um, But doing that in like a really uh, balanced way so that it doesn't become like an an obsession, which I think that it has the potential to kind of veer in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. So why, like, I guess maybe we should talk about why it's important to kind of eat for your cycle or like where that whole idea comes from. Yeah. So when I started to do this and eat for my cycle, um, for me, I think it came from a desire to lengthen my luteal phase. Um, and your luteal phase is the time between when you ovulate in a cycle and when you menstruate. And I'm just saying this is like a general thing. Please don't follow this as birth control advice right now, (laughs) but that's the phase of your cycle when you're, uh, infertile. And so it's great to, you know, have a nice long luteal phase because it gives you, um, you know, lots of days for unprotected sex. And so if you're using the method for for birth control, um, sometimes that might be on your mind. And also just having a healthy luteal phase length is really important in terms of health because that's when our body makes this awesome hormone called progesterone. And that's the only time in the cycle, in a natural cycle that is with ovulation, where our body is producing uh, progesterone in really high sustained amounts um, for several days. So a luteal phase can range usually between like sometimes around nine days uh, up to like 17 days. Generally, we're looking at like 12 to 14 um, on average. But for me, I... I started out charting um, for more than the first year, my charting specifically just for health. And so my mind was always like, okay, how can I try and optimize my cycle parameters? How can I try to reduce premenstrual spotting or postmenstrual spotting? And I just kept always finding, you know, these tips about food and eating for your cycle. And again, it was, it was sort of the, it was sort of the idea that we just talked about before where it's like, learning to cook via recipes versus learning the how and the why to cook. It's like, I kept finding these tips and tricks that were like, you know, this is exactly what you should do to magically heal your cycle versus learning the how and the why of healing your cycle. And so I think, um, that, that piece is, is really key. Um, so yeah, I, I I just wanted to uh, kind of expand my my knowledge there, and I ended up finding out that one thing that's really key for healthy hormones is eating lots of healthy fats, um, in addition, of course, to things like fruits and vegetables and, and proteins. Um, uh, a book that I really love is called Real Food for Pregnancy. Um, just a, a great resource for people out there who want to learn more about this whole entire topic. Um, it's a great resource. It definitely gets into the hows and the whys um, on a really like scientific level for optimizing our fertility through food. Um, and what I like about um, that approach and just 
sort of the approach that I think we both, you and I kind of bring to the table is like, it's not about being like militant with, with the food choices. Um, Cause I really think eating is like, and cooking is like a fun, like joyful thing. And so um, for me, when, when things get kind of too precise or too, too militant or too strict, that's when I kind of ask myself and I check in with myself and I say, hey, like, why am I really doing it this way? Um, I want to remember that food is something that's healthy and nourishing. and It's, it's um, as much about the pleasure of eating um, as well as, you know, the nutrients that we're taking in. So yeah, for me, that's kind of my my outlook. I think I lost the question along the way there in my answer, but <laughs> hopefully that covered it. <laughs> I think, yeah, I I think I kind of came across it the same way. Um, I have and still do have really irregular cycles. Um, And along the way, kind of like you, Megan, of trying to find out ways to support my hormones, um, food really does come up as just as important as any supplement that you can take. Um, being able to eat really like nutrient dense and filling um, and delicious food is incredibly important for our whole, you know, well-being as well as our hormones. So cooking had, has, is, doesn't come naturally to me and was never something that I really, really loved until I started um just learning how to cook different things that I really enjoyed um, and making them really simple um, and going back to the same things that I knew how to cook. That's kind of how I learned to enjoy it and Mm -hmm. to enjoy food. Um, And so now I would say I really do love it and it is easier for me now. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely for me, it's, like you said, eating, like eating things that traditionally we've been told are not great, like eating lots of healthy fats. And like for a long time, that's something that um, like in our parents' generation, they're told to like eat low fat diets. And so I also read Real Food for Pregnancy. And then there's another book um, that I really loved. It's called Deep Nutrition by Katherine Catherine Shanahan mm-hmm. um, and it's a similar way um, a similar approach to food about eating food that um, our ancestors ate and just like eating really eating food that is uh, grown in a good way so that yeah. we were eating not only like the plants itself or the animals themselves but where they came from the soil right. that they came the from the soil thinking yeah about, yeah thinking about those types of things too so yeah really, like you said, the why behind what we're eating. Um, And yeah, it's something that I really find fascinating and enjoy learning about. Um, And then there's also so much around like eating certain foods during different phases of your cycle, which can be a really nice loose guide to as another way of um, living in line with your cycle. So um, a really great book around that is called Woman Code by Elisa Vitti. Um, And she, you know, she talks about different specific nutrients and different foods 
that will help um, with hormone balance during different phases of your cycle. Mm -hmm. So a really great example is um, when you're menstruating, eating lots of iron-rich foods to um, support um, your iron stores and things like that. So it's very common sense and it's very um, like concrete, uh, but it's a really nice way to help support your hormones and also live in line with your cycle. So um, I'm really into learning more about that as well. I'm not an expert or nutritionist or anything, but there's just so much out there to kind of dive into and learn about when it comes to food and your hormones. Yeah. Yeah. You have like so many incredible points there. Um, just in the tail end, you know, you're right. It's like, we're not experts on this food end of things. We're not nutritionists, but we're just kind of like regular people when it comes to this. And I think maybe that's why this episode can provide value for people. It's like, you don't have to be an expert in order to eat well for yourself. Um, I, one thing that sort of popped into my mind as you were talking about, um, say, eating more iron-rich foods during menstruation, for example, to sort of replace the iron that you're losing um, during your bleed, which, you know, happens, you know, to women as part of, um, uh, you know, our, our cycles. Um, and the reason why sometimes women can become more anemic than men, let's say. Um, but yeah, that element of listening to our bodies, something that kind of popped into my head was like listening to your body's cravings sometimes. Um, one thing for me that seems to come up, which perhaps is like stereotypical, but I don't care. Maybe it's a stereotype for a reason (laughs) is like craving, uh, chocolate during menstruation. And one thing that I found, especially over the past year, my sugar tolerance has like seriously gone down. I used to be able to eat, I'm not exaggerating, like literally an entire box of Munson's chocolate. Munson is this local uh, Connecticut chocolate company that's like, I find it very addicting. It's delicious. (laughs) And like during college, I would be like, oh, I have a little bit of extra spending money. Let me buy some Munson's. I would eat a whole entire box Um, which was fine. It's just that like all of that sugar intake, it would, um, at the time, it didn't seem like it affected me as much, but nowadays if I eat too much, um, sugary chocolate, I will get a headache or I will just like, like my, my head will be sort of throbbing. I'll be a little bit dizzy. It's, It's just sometimes way too much sugar. Um, and so point being a way to still have chocolate and like really enjoy it, um, is I just ended up switching to darker chocolate. And now, like every time I stop by Trader Joe's, for example, I'll pick up, you know, several bars of their like organic dark chocolate. Um, and then throughout the week, I'll have, you know, a few squares of it um, with lunch or with dinner. And for, for such a long time, when I was like transitioning away from like the more sugary milk chocolate, which I missed, um, I would just eat like so much of the dark chocolate, which again, totally fine. But I found that like over time with that sugar tolerance going down, um, now I feel like completely, um, fine and satiated with just like a couple squares of it, um, every couple of days. So in, in the, um, in the vein of like listening to your body, I listened, I realized, Hey, you know, eating this much, uh, sugar is coming in and causing me headaches. I don't want to be experiencing headaches during menstruation. Um, and so just by making that like tweak 
away from the, the chocolate that was super tasty, but also super high in sugar, to chocolate that was also super tasty, but much lower in sugar. Um, just a really small tweak where I'm still totally enjoying chocolate, um, love it, eat tons of it, but I, I don't get the headaches anymore. Um, and that was a huge deal for me because, you know, having cycle symptoms, it's not fun. <laughs> no one, you know, wants to be living with those types of symptoms. Um, and we can really help to shift things often through little tweaks like that. Um, another thing that sort of just popped into my head as you're talking was you mentioned eating like real whole foods instead of um, just supplementing. And that's the other piece. It's like oftentimes when we want to heal aspects of our cycle, if there's symptoms coming up, I always get the question from clients and community members on Instagram, like, what supplement can I take? And the fact of the matter is, like, you, you can't out-supplement, um, you know, eating a certain way. The, the best thing to do is, you know, make some tweaks in terms of um, the food that you're giving yourself every day, add in really nutrient-dense, um, you know, rich, tasty foods, um, and then if necessary down the line, if you do need a supplement, you know, we can talk about that. But oftentimes, like, buying 20 supplements uh, isn't the way to go. It's a nice way to burn a hole in your pocket, <laughs> but I think that the money is often really better spent on, um, you know, learning how to make these uh, delicious foods for ourselves. So, yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree more. I've started, um, I've, I'm part of a, like a farm egg CSA. So I get mm -hmm. um, eggs from a local farm uh, once a month. And then I also get local meats from them and spending money on like when I can buy organic produce and, and I'm lucky to be able to afford supporting a farm. I feel like that's money that's really well spent and I enjoy um, doing that uh, because I agree there's so many um, messages about what we should and shouldn't eat and I feel like there are certain groups of food that are really moralized like sugar, alcohol, mm. caffeine, mm -hmm. gluten. Um, there's diets that are being talked about all over Instagram, um, keto, paleo, you name it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think listening to our bodies and um, like what you said about you getting headaches after eating sugar, I think is so much, is such a good guide um, for what you should and shouldn't be eating. Yeah. Um, your body is really your guide. Exactly. Yeah. And your cycles are too. Um, it can be really helpful if you are struggling with um, hormonal imbalance or any type of cycle issue to, you might want to, you might want to work with a practitioner who can help you identify what's going on. Uh, but just starting with seeing how food makes you feel and how it um, manifests in your cycle can be a really great starting point. I know for me, um, I used to drink a lot of coffee mm -hmm. and um, it didn't make me feel, um, I didn't, it didn't like energize me anymore. Like I was completely addicted. It, I was just mm -hmm. like desensitized to the caffeine. Um, and when I, I kind of did an experiment to see if I could not drink coffee. And when I stopped drinking coffee, I just felt terrible. Like mm -hmm. I just felt like the 
caffeine withdrawal. Um, yeah, it's a going, real thing. It is. Like yeah. I was going from drinking probably three cups of coffee a day. Um, and it, for me, I still really enjoy coffee. And so I decided that I would still drink coffee, but just on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of like completely staying away from it, um, I found a way to be able to still enjoy it and look forward to drinking it because I really get really excited for the weekends now um, and, and still have like some balance and for it not to be really restrictive. And same, like I still eat, you know, I still eat sugar. I still go to McDonald's every mm-hmm. once in a while. <laughs> like I yeah. still, you know. Love I me still... a good Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah, every so like often. <laughs> I don't know. Like I feel like it's important to be really realistic like we are real people yeah like we can't restrict ourselves otherwise it's just like where is the joy in um the food that we're eating and it also puts us in this mindset that there's that it's bad when we eat certain types of food Mm -hmm. which I just think is not um really productive or Mm -hmm. healthy way of doing it a hundred percent um yeah I totally hear you on all that. I, I can't even, you had so many great points there. Um, just the last thing you're mentioning about, um, you know, having, having balance. Um, and also just as a note, I want to get back to the coffee thing in just a sec before I forget. But um, when you mentioned like sort of vilifying some foods and others being like good and magical, I think when people are perhaps choosing a practitioner to work with in terms of uh, food, it's really important to um, do your research and really trust your gut on who you work with um, and and ensure that they're a really good match for you. Um, And I only say that because I unfortunately had an experience where I was working with someone on nutrition um, and there was just this instance where like, they were, they were having me do all this food journaling, which sometimes can be great to bring our awareness into what we're eating day to day. Um, and it can be a great thing to do, I think, on like a temporary basis, maybe for like a week or two, perhaps. Um, but this food journaling had been going on, I was probably like four months into it, and it was just like really exhausting to do. And like, I didn't like constantly analyzing all my food every day and like it just became this chore and I remember um there was this instance where I had had a pizza party at one of my uh jobs my other job where you know we were celebrating the end of the week with this like kids camp and the kids got a pizza party and I had a couple slices of pizza and I wrote it in my food journal and then I met with the person like the following week and they were looking at the journal and they were like oh you had pizza. And I was like, yeah, I had a couple slices of pizza. It was like really good. I told her, you know, about like the, the, the party and stuff. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, sometimes we just make bad choices with food. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I just had this reaction where I was like, what is happening? No. Cause like, we, we don't have to do that. You don't have to vilify some, some foods over others. Like it's all good. And I think for me, that's when I realized I was like, I, I don't want to be doing this anymore where I'm like hyper analyzing all my food. I just want to eat the foods I like and live my life. 
And like, that's, I think for me, when I made a big transition away from the like militant, super strict, restrictive way of thinking about food that I had sort of like accidentally gotten wrapped up in. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I wanted to just be more mindful about what I was eating, but in a way that was really positive. And I was, you know, eating what I wanted to, and I was adding in lots of nutrient dense foods. But like, like you said, it's like, I still totally eat like junk food sometimes and it's totally fine. (laughs) And um, yeah, just that moment really sticks out in my mind. And I, I started to realize, I was like, I don't, I, I can't take those next steps. I can't continue with this other way of like this other militant approach. I just can't do it. Um, and I really put up a boundary there and I was like, okay, I need to look at this more in a way that aligns with me. Um, and that was a really difficult decision to make. I ended up having to stop working with that, with that practitioner entirely. Um, and I, I no longer worked with them and it was a really difficult transition. Um, because I really sort of relied on them in other ways uh, for other areas of my health and, and support with that. But it, in the end, it was a, it was a great decision. Um, and I'm able to be in a much healthier, happier place. Um, and so I just share that story to kind of um, let people know, you know, it's so important to trust your gut um, and, and really seek out someone who you mesh well with. Um, who you feel safe with, you know, having these conversations about food. Mm, no, thanks for sharing that, Megan. I think, um, I hope that us talking about this, um, you know, we're fam educators, we talk about, you know, supporting our home hormones and living in a generally like what people would call healthy I don't really like to say that, but like we're, we're eating ways that support our hormones and we're trying to really be mindful about what we put in our bodies is maybe a better way of, of saying it. And I hope that um, we're able to convey that we don't follow or need to follow a really strict set of rules to be quote unquote um, healthy or to support our hormones or mm-hmm. to even um, support you know, what might be an imbalance of our hormones, because Mm -hmm. I think it's just so much more important to have that balance. And I think that story really um, just shows how, like, when we have these mindsets about food, we kind of slowly go down this path of uh, moralizing food and, and thinking about, you know, if I eat this pizza, or is there going to be a consequence, right? Mm-hmm. When it really shouldn't be about that. Like, mm-hmm. I really, I really strongly <laughs> disagree with that kind of mentality because it's just not helpful and um, it just takes all of the joy out of food. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like um, something I was thinking about as you were talking is like a lot of people right now with coronavirus are at home and cooking a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool. And I've also been cooking things that I never have cooked before. Like I, I made bread for the first time nice. the other day, which is classic. <laughs> and right. Um, but I think like something for me, um, just thinking about like habits, um, around food and taking time for food. I think I underestimate, I used to underestimate how much time it takes to like cook, food and enjoy your own food. 
um, that I started to plan a little bit more and think and put more thought into it, which at first felt like a lot and it just didn't really feel worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was when I was working full time that I was thinking about my lunches for the week and what I would eat for dinner that on the weekend I I wouldn't meal prep, but I would have it in mind what I was going to cook and I would have the groceries ready Mm -hmm. so that when I was hungry, I was, I wasn't um, like, I was taking the time or I had something already ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just really important. Like now everyone's home with coronavirus and they have time to put towards, um, you know, doing things like cooking that they may not have had time to do before um, that you really do have to take like time out of your week and out of your day. Um, and it doesn't have to be a lot, but just having like the thought ahead of time makes it so much easier than in the moment being like, what the heck am I going to make? Mm-hmm. Um, and then something else um, that I heard um, Ali Shapiro talk about on a podcast was around um, knowing what foods to eat by using we talked about this already but like listening to your body and using it as a barometer and so things that might keep somebody full for a long time and might feel good for one person might not for another um and so eating things that you know for if you're not sure like what breakfast you should be eating try a a couple different kinds of breakfast foods and just see what keeps you full for longest or what feels the best for me, I like eating like toast and eggs mm-hmm. and um, sometimes breakfast sausages or meats. Like I like a really full breakfast, but I'm not mm-hmm. hungry until like 10 o'clock. Yeah. Whereas for other people, they might be fine with like a smoothie right away in the morning. For me, I would be hungry in like 20 minutes. Um, so just like thinking about testing for you, what is your own quote unquote diet? Because not one diet is going to be great for everybody or not one food group is going to be great for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a really great way to start um, just to kind of see what works for you. Yeah. I, I love that because um, as you mentioned the word diet, like what came to mind is, um, you know, the, what, what works for one person, you know, may not work for another. Um, some people, uh, I, I, like, I think, I think what we're kind of getting at is finding the way of eating that works best for you. Some people do gravitate, like you said, toward the quick smoothie in the morning. That just fits in more with like their lifestyle. Maybe they're more on the go in the morning and they need something that that is quicker. Um, sometimes if you have a little bit more time um, or you just want to create that time to make something that you mentioned, like maybe eggs and you know, some vegetables or some fruit in the morning or some nuts or something. Um, it really just depends. And I think ultimately it's about finding like what is sustainable in your own lifestyle. So doing some self-reflection and saying, okay, you know, if I need to, in order to get enough sleep, sleep in until 7.30, but then I need to be out of the house by eight and I only have like 30 minutes in the morning, um, then maybe making a whole entire meal first thing might not be a sustainable choice for yourself. Um, so some alternatives there might be making a quick smoothie or, you know, maybe even meal prepping something the night before, like say instead of fresh eggs, maybe some hard boiled eggs in the morning with, um, a side of bacon that you pop in the microwave or something like that. Um, I, I was thinking about meal prep, as you're mentioning, creating time 
for cooking because one thing that I found when I started to live on my own more was like you mentioned that that uh, sort of lack of time around cooking and me not realizing that it takes longer than I expect. I have like terrible time management skills just as it is. Um, as you know, I was late to this podcast <laughs> today, <laughs> which is like a common thing for me. I'm sorry, everyone. But because of that, it's like I have trouble like creating that time in the day. Um, I also mentioned to you not earlier, literally last night at like midnight after I finished my work, I was like, okay, it's like 12 a.m. time to marinate this chicken and start dinner. And for me, I'm a night owl. Like that's something that is generally okay for me to do. Um, but just from where my lifestyle is at right now, that's not necessarily the, the most sustainable uh, choice in terms of time management. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of meal prepping. Um, I think sometimes with meal prepping, people have this uh, impression that you have to pre-cook a whole entire huge batch of like bland chicken to just have throughout the week and like that's the hand you're dealt and you need to have it with like a pile of plain rice and like I want to just let people know you are the master of your kitchen. You have total control over what type of flavors and spices you're using to cook. Um, one thing I, I learned as like a skill with cooking was the, the beauty and the time-saving capability of meal prepping. Um, I, I worked with a, a health coach uh, a couple years ago and she really challenged me on that because I kept saying like, oh, I don't have the time, the time to cook, blah, blah, blah. I'm so busy. I'm a night owl. And I had a pile of um, reasons why I didn't have time. And so she really helped me and encouraged me to try meal prepping. And it seemed to me like this whole idea was just out of reach. How could I meal prep? What did that mean? Like literally, what do I do? And so for anyone listening, I just want to share like maybe a couple helpful um, tips to maybe get you started. Um, what, I, what I usually do when I go grocery shopping is I will usually get like not just, you know, one thing of chicken for the night, but I will go to the store. I'll get, you know, a couple things of chicken thighs, um, maybe uh, a few um, packages of bacon, a package of like frozen wild salmon. So I think going to the store and getting enough food for what you realistically need throughout um, the whole week or the next couple of weeks, um, buying frozen is totally fine. Um, buying like air chilled is also great. Then you can freeze it when you get home. But by doing this, you'll be able to kind of have a stock to draw from so that you're not having to necessarily go um, grocery shopping every single day or, or super often. And so being able to drop on that stock, what I like to do is often I'll just meal prep only meat. And then throughout the week, I'll add in quick things like a quick apple that's cut up or um, I'll saute veggies really quick. But I find that because meat takes the longest to cook, what I like to do sometimes is just um, knock it out of the park and set aside an hour or two um, to cook a lot of flavorful chicken with like all these spices and I'll marinate a steak and I'll, you know, pre-bake pre some bacon. Um, but, but just by creating that hour or two um, in a week to prioritize cooking the meat, 
Um, I'll then pop it into a Pyrex, keep it in the fridge throughout the week. And it's great because if I only have, let's say 20 minutes for lunch, I can just, you know, pick out a piece of meat that I've already cooked, uh, pile on, um, you know, some fruit or some nuts um, onto my plate or just whatever I want to add in as kind of like a little side snack. And it just makes it so much easier to eat regular meals throughout the week, um, which for me, I think is like one of my biggest challenges. Like if I don't have time, eating is like one of the first things to go out the window for me. Um, and so it's not uncommon for me to eat really late in the day. So um, doing the meal prepping in advance, it can just be such a great tool to prevent that so that I am eating regular meals. My body is getting that natural, um, you know, regular input of food and fuel, um, and it's not getting stressed out. And it just helps in terms of, you know, hormone production and keeping my blood sugar level and things like that. Um, so that's been like a, a really big skill that's been transformative, I think, in the way that I think about food, prepare food. Um, yeah, and I just want to kind of let people know, if you haven't tried meal prepping and you're kind of struggling with, with cooking, um, it could be a really helpful um, skill to incorporate. I really like that. And I like the way that you do your meals because it doesn't require like searching out a recipe or um, getting all these complicated ingredients. Like you literally just think about what protein do you want and what vegetable do you want and what side snack do you want? Like, it's really like thinking about what you have or thinking about what you want to eat and not um, making it super complicated and just making it a lot easier. I really like those, those yeah. tips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like for me, um, I'm the opposite of you. I, when I'm hungry, I can't do anything else. So <laughs> for me, like it really is the opposite. Yeah. It just, um, yeah, it, it definitely guides my day and what I do and I snack a lot. Um, and it is the best part of the day is eating. <laughs> so, um, something that for me I've really focused on is trying to eat foods that keep me full. Um, I don't let myself go hungry. And I think that's such an important thing about um, balancing your hormones. It a, um, keeps your blood sugar balanced and it also helps your body stay out of um, a fight or flight response because mm -hmm. when you're constantly hungry, your survival mechanisms are saying that there isn't enough to go around. Um, you know, there's not enough food and you need to conserve energy by not ovulating or mm -hmm. not cycling. Um, so for me, making sure that I'm all, I have food available all the time and that I'm eating, um, like a lot of, um, you know, like a lot of avocados or like butter or mm -hmm. coconut oil or like putting, things in my smoothie that are actually like healthy fats yeah. so that even if I do have a smoothie, it's going to keep me full for a long, a longer time. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I tell the, the folks that I work with when it comes to just basics about eating for your cycle or eating for supporting your hormones is um, eating a lot of healthy fats. If you can get organic, if you can afford organic, great, but just buy as well as, or buy 
what you can afford or as good as you can afford. And that's mm -hmm. amazing. Um, you don't need to go crazy. Um, but um, so yeah, eating as well as you can afford, um, eating foods that keep you full, healthy fats, um, you know, lots of vegetables and fruits, um, and then just things that you enjoy. And so um, for me, Matt and I really love cooking together. And it's an activity that will just, you know, especially right now, there's really not a whole lot you can do for, mm -hmm. for dates. But um, even before Corona, just like hanging out would be um, just cooking a meal together and cooking mm -hmm. something that takes a long time. Um, so we got, or he got me a pasta maker for Christmas. So an activity that we'll do is just like make fresh pasta. And it's something that is really enjoyable and delicious. And it's just, um, just fun, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so making food like really enjoyable or like um, making your kitchen somewhere where you want to hang out and mm -hmm. um, putting on music or putting a podcast on while you cook. Um, in, instead of making it like begrudging right. time, <laughs> make it time where you actually do enjoy kitchen prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when you're tired of it, you know, I don't have kids, so I don't know what it's like to cook for other people. I'm usually just cooking for myself or my mm -hmm. partner. Um, but, um, listening to where you are in your cycle, like sometimes in your cycle, you might not feel like spending time meal prepping or cooking. Um, and others, you might have a lot of, you know, a lot of energy to think ahead and maybe plan for um, other times of your cycle where you won't have energy to cook. That's the way that I like to eat around my cycle is just take advantage of times when I do have energy and motivation to like batch cook or put something in the freezer or yeah. make a stock yeah. um, to do it when I have the energy. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think especially for people who struggle with a lot of um, period cramps, this, this tip of cooking in advance can be like liter literally life-changing. Um, I remember having a conversation with someone who had endometriosis and she was trying to manage that um, and she had already come so far um, in terms of managing it and managing her pain through um, eating, which was really powerful for her. And one thing that she really emphasized was, you know, bef like A, the through, through charting, she knew when she could expect to menstruate. So that, that in and of itself was like a powerful shift because otherwise, you know, she wasn't really sure whether to expect it, you know, at this time of the month or next week or whatever. So just to kind of start off, you know, if you're someone who struggles with cycle pain or endometriosis, that's where charting can be a huge um, benefit, just to be able to predict accurately when you'll likely have menstruation. Um, and so, and when I say likely, I just mean like, you know, you can pretty much predict within one or two days when you're going to get it. Um, and so she did a lot of batch cooking and she would make um, soups in advance because they were especially easy on her, um, on her stomach uh, during her period. And she would um, meal prep in advance so that once she was bleeding, um, literally all she would need to think of was prioritizing rest and eating. And that was pretty much it, you know, for those, those several days um, of menstruation. And doing that and prioritizing that for herself, um, just it reduced the stress 
um, around the pain she was experiencing, which then in turn helped to also reduce the pain itself. And so it was just such a powerful transformation to hear about. And even as someone who tries to meal prep myself, that didn't really occur to me because luckily I, I don't experience um, much cramps. I don't have endometriosis myself. Um, but hearing about it from someone who has lived that experience and how powerful the um, simple idea of meal prepping is in terms of cultivating change for her, it was just incredible to hear. Um, so it's a great uh, suggestion for people um, who might want to incorporate that. Mm, that's a really incredible um, story. And I also, while I don't have endometriosis, I can relate so much with that because when you're bleeding, like all of your energy is going towards that. And mm. the, the more that you can do to prepare for your bleed, whether it's just knowing when it's going to happen or being able to have meals ready to go or ordering in. I really like um, ordering in during my bleed mm-hmm. um, or getting someone to cook for you. Yeah. Can be really, really helpful. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention real quick um, was going back to the coffee thing. Um, so I know you mentioned that, you know, you do still drink coffee on the weekends. Um, and I just want to do a shout out for all the people out there who love, uh, decaf coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking <laughs> it right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, uh, for me, I, I definitely built up a reliance on coffee as well over the years throughout, um, college and even high school, I would grab a coffee on the way into high school. And I felt so cool and so grown up. (laughs) Uh, And it was so loaded with sugar too, (laughs) which again, kind of goes back to my my tolerance uh, for sugar. It used to be much higher. Um, But anywho, in the past uh, couple years, especially, I've pretty much just totally switched to decaf because like, I really love the taste of coffee. I absolutely love the taste, but I just can't handle that caffeine anymore. Um, it definitely keeps me up way, way, way later than I normally do, even as a night owl. Like typically my normal bedtime is like 12 a.m. or like 1 a.m. But with coffee, it puts me at like 4 a.m., which like is not okay, (laughs) even for me. And so, um, switching to decaf has been a big thing. And then another thing I'll mention is, uh, dandelion root tea or Ticino. Ticino is a a company or a brand that makes um, pretty much their like coffee substitutes entirely made out of herbal um, ingredients. So there's absolutely no caffeine. It's not even like decaf where there's like still technically like, I don't know, like 1% or whatever of caffeine. There's literally no caffeine at all. Um, And it tastes really very, very similar to coffee. Um, They come in a bunch of different flavors, and um, I highly recommend the people uh, check them out, but they've been great, and um, they're just super easy to make. They even come in like like little tea bags, so it's like you're making tea, but then it just tastes like coffee. Um, So for people who love coffee out there, if you're trying to, for whatever reason, um, minimize your caffeine intake, whether it's to optimize sleep, um, or just help uh, out with your hormones. There's some really awesome alternatives out there to explore, and I really encourage you to like 
give them a chance. Because I know sometimes with coffee, it's like, mm, yeah, I'll just stick to my caffeinated coffee. <laughs> but I really do encourage it um, to seek out those things and uh, yeah, give them a chance. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful when I was cutting back or cutting down, reducing <laughs> coffee to have some kind of replacement. So I'll drink black tea in the morning, which still has some caffeine or dandelion root tea or um, decaf, which I'm currently enjoying. Um, I think it's just so important to, instead of taking um, everything away, still having things that you enjoy um, and to really question and trust your gut on the information that you're getting and the messages that you're getting um, and, you know, whether it's practitioner that you're working with or someone you're following on Instagram or someone in your life, um, there is no one way to do food. There is no one way to support your hormones. And, um, I think it's, I think I just wanted to kind of question a lot of those things and I really appreciate Megan, your take on it, because I feel like you and I um, are really trying to challenge a lot of that messaging. Um, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. I just really appreciate your perspective. Yeah. Um, thank you. Another thing I wanted to add in too, you were mentioning a really awesome point before of like um, buying the best that you can afford. Um, so, you know, everyone's at different places and I really love that idea. Um, for some people, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it's less accessible. It's, it's, it's more difficult to get access to those foods. Um, one thing that I've found super helpful is honestly just heading out to like Trader Joe's. Um, I, I seem to do a lot of like brand recommend, recommendations. I don't know why, but I'm just trying to give people like some really like practical tips that they can try. But um, I don't know if you live near Trader Joe's, definitely check it out. Um, for the longest time, I didn't live near one. I didn't have any idea what they were like, um, but I really highly recommend them because they offer a lot of organic options for very, very, very affordable uh, prices. Like I'll go to Trader Joe's and I will stock up on like all the food I can possibly need and more for literally like three weeks to a month. And it'll cost me like a third of what I would spend at Whole Foods or half of what I would spend at like a typical like stop and shop average grocery store. and it's just incredible. And a, and a lot of the stuff I get there, it is organic. It's it's grass fed, um, and and for me, that's me. You know, buying the best quality that I can afford. Um, I, you know, those other options are out there. And sometimes I will go to other stores to get like really specific, like specialty things. Um, but otherwise, the bulk of my food is is just from Trader Joe's. And I would just want to mention it and do a shout out because like if if people live near one, um, it's a great area to to explore. Um, and I think it's great. It's also just a great like shopping experience. Like, have you ever been to one that? <laughs> I've I've been once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we don't have we don't have Trader Joe's. Yeah. So I try to there's a farmer's market that 
um, opens up at the end of my street mm-hmm. in the summer, which mm-hmm. is super convenient. That's amazing. So I do a lot of my shopping just at Safeway and then yeah. I'll like, like add in, you know, the egg CSA that I have, and, mm-hmm. um, meats from that farm. And then also when I can in the summer, get vegetables locally because, um, I live in a half of the year, complete frozen mm-hmm. wasteland. Um, <laughs> there is no fresh vegetables half the year. So in the summer, I really like to go and get as much right. local produce as I can. But yeah, I've been to Trader Joe's and I feel like if I had one, um, it would probably be uh, my go-to. <laughs> I just, I love it. Cause like for people, I know a lot of people out there like grocery shopping, that task in and of itself can be such a chore. And I just love it because I feel like it makes the experience like simple and like fun. Um, they've done like literal, like, like they've kind of done like a behavior, um, an analysis of like shopping at Trader Joe's versus other stores. And with other stores, this thing comes up, I think it's called, um, it's like the dilemma of choice or something where it's like, you'll look at like a wall of like 50 pasta sauces and you're like, okay, this is so overwhelming. Like, I don't know what to get. So I'm just going to skip it. Whereas at Trader Joe's, they on purpose keep the choices very small so that they can like optimize the quality of each one. And then it just makes it simpler for people to make those choices. Um, so I just feel like it takes a lot of the stress and like crowds out of grocery shopping. Um, and then also bonus point right now during, um, coronavirus, uh, the pandemic that we're experiencing, I have personally found Trader Joe's to have the best like safety practices with, with the grocery shopping experiences, um, or experience, uh, out of a lot of the other stores that are local to me. Um, they're, they're limiting the amount of people who can go in the store. They're requiring that people wear masks and stuff. Um, everything is labeled clearly. So I just appreciate that, that they're trying to like really do their best in like a really active way um, to help people uh, stay safe. So that's definitely appreciated. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, as we wrap up, if people have... Um, their favorite foods to eat or stories about ways that you've incorporated either meal prep or um, just in eating more and cooking more food that you enjoy. Um, Or if you have suggestions for future topics or question uh, for us, you can email us at bodyliteracybabes at gmail.com. And if you are in the Anchor app, you can send us um, a voice memo, which we would really love to hear your voice. Um, And if you have a moment, um, if you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that makes a really huge difference. So appreciated. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where can people find you, Megan? So I am on Instagram and YouTube at Famtastic Fertility, Famtastic with an M. Um, and yeah, that is where I like to hang out. People are welcome to DM me on Instagram. I love um, to chat with people there. Um, and you're welcome to, you know, just reach out. How about yourself? Awesome. Uh, I'm at Fertility Awareness Project. And my website is fertilityawarenessproject.ca. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next time or you'll hear us next time. (laughs) (laughs) I 
hope everyone stays safe um, and just enjoys their week. Mm -hmm. Bye, everyone.